everybody. Welcome to the guest segment of the Common Sense Show. As you know, we're the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. We're really, really glad to be with you uh, in these very, very difficult and trying times, ladies and gentlemen. We uh, we need to hang together, uh, or what they say, if we don't hang together, we'll hang separately. Well, I feel that's what's coming, <laughs> and I, I just shudder to think if Biden and Harris actually take over, what's going to happen, but... We've got an old friend of mine on uh, the air. We used to share the airwaves at RBN back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And uh, his <laughs> name is Darren Weeks. His show is very popular. It's Govern America. And in fact, kind of as an aside here, before we take care of our housekeeping business, I'm just going to tell this quick story. Most of you know who have listened to me for a while know how I got started in this business. You know, John McCain and his Central American Free Trade Agreement cronies wanted to build a highway through our area, and they said we were too close to an Air Force base. Huh? Yeah, it didn't make any sense to us either. And so they tried to get us off our property without paying us for it, and we were in an eight-year battle where McCain would intimidate all lawyers to drop our case. And eventually we got the... Uh, we got a really good nonprofit law firm, the Goldwater Institute, to represent us, and they didn't even go to court. They packed down on the courthouse steps, being the chicken bleepers that they are. And that's launched me into this business. And uh, what's interesting, and I don't even think Darren knows this, the very first show that I was on on radio to tell our story about how my community was being abused by John McCain and friends was on Govern America with Darren Weeks and Nancy Levant. And they were wow. on RBM. I bet you didn't know that, Darren. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to the show. But before we start, <laughs> I've got I've got to take care of some business. But I just wanted to tell that story. You were number one, so I'm eternally grateful to you. Uh, folks, we're brought to you by Noble Gold. And, and I want to just really make this very, 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 very clear. Uh, if you keep all your money in the bank, you're going to get killed. I, I'm a customer of Noble Gold. I'm not just their advertiser. I decided to pony up and say, what can you guys do for me? And what they did was basically make me bulletproof. I mean, I know the dollar is going to go the way of the dodo bird. It's just inevitable. Too much debt. So I'm ready. And I'm diversified. And I'll give you one example of what they have. They have a Noble Gold IRA. So if your business goes under, you know, you lose your IRA. If your bank goes under, you lose your IRA. Noble Gold, they give you much in gold to back your IRA, and nothing can take it away. It's that simple. It's really good. And I'm telling you, folks, I have never been happier as a customer. I want you to give them a call, and you'll see why I tell you they're the most professional outfit we deal with. 877-646-5347. That's 877-646-5347. Tell them I told you to call. And one more quick thing. If you're not storing food, you're not paying attention. The meatpacking plants are closed. The farmland has tremendous damage to it due to severe weather in the last couple of years. The supply chain is broken, and we're eating this year's harvest. Is that enough? Okay. Well, we represent MPS, the best storable food company out there. Restaurant quality, 25-year shelf life, lots of variety, 2,000 calories a day meal. And they can help you with your storage needs. Take a four-week package, and you can take $100 off. Another four-week package, another $100 off. You get the idea? So every time that you're moving on a four-week package to purchase this, you're saving nearly 40%. That's a tremendous savings, and no one else in the country is offering this. How do you find out more about it? Go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. Well, that's our business, and we got a clear shot 
to the end of the hour, and I've pretty much already introduced Darren Weeks, the host of Govern America, former RBN guy with me, and we left for pretty much the same reasons, but we won't talk about that, and uh, he's broadcasting independently as I am, and we're going to talk about a number of issues that we come across in our work as journalists. Darren, really glad to have you here. It's been far too long. I appreciate it. I thank you for having me. Well, yeah, a lot happened in the time that we've uh, we've parted company, or, or not really parted the company, but kind of went our own ways and did our own things. Uh, it's amazing the time just just flies by, doesn't it? Whether well, whether or not you're having fun. Well, I'm having fun, although the other side's making it increasingly difficult to have fun. Um, it's just I don't know about you. I'm having, but I forgot. Oh my gosh. You're living in enemy territory. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We... My, I just realized Darren lives in Michigan. The do Queen. I, do I need to say more? Yeah, the Queen's territory. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's bad enough here in Arizona where we call our governor Lord Ducey, and he's bad. But he ain't as bad as you. I'm having Christmas. We're having the family over. How about you? Well, I, I I've never really uh, stopped doing what I was going to do. I've always. You know, even during the so-called lockdown, which, by the way, what is a lockdown? They lock prisons down. So if that doesn't tell you you're in a prison planet right now, referring to these things as lockdowns ought to uh, raise some red flags for anybody who still might be asleep out there. But the point is, is that even during that time as a professional broadcaster, I was always deemed essential. Uh, you know, they tried to make it to where we could run uh, TV stations from home, but uh, there's just too much. As computerized as things have gotten, there's still things that we put our hands on that we can't actually, uh, you know, run from a distance. So we kind of had to be there. And so they printed out these nice little fancy gadgets from the Department of Homeland Security, these these documents that were put out in case we got stopped. And of course, the police never bothered us. Uh, we were sometimes the only cars on the road, but uh, or, or near that. Although, to be honest with you, there's a lot of people that really ignored a lot of this stuff. And, and I think if they did another one, people would still be out and about. Because these things kind of, since it when it was something new, people tended to more uh, acknowledge it and respect it and try to obey it. And the longer these things kind of wear on, uh, the less likely that it would be. I, I noticed that there was a news report that said that the holiday travel for Thanksgiving were pretty much if it wasn't the normal level it might have even been a little bit more than the mm -hmm. normal level I mean very few people are actually staying home very few people are actually following these orders and that's good that to me is good because I think to, to a lot of extent a lot of these uh, orders are are just that they're testing the ground they're trying to see what the people are going to go for uh, how obedient the slaves will be yes and where they're going to push back they're testing the ground right now and that's really where i wanted to kind of start off our our talk here with the admonition that the american people really do have to decide right now how much they value their freedom what does it really mean to you and by that i mean to what degree are we willing to make it hurt you know to what degree are i mean how committed are we to freedom that we're willing to give it all in order to maintain it. Because, you know, Dave, in those RBN days when you and I were on there, the earlier days of the broadcast, I mean, let's face it, we've been talking about this stuff for years, yes. decades even. And 
we have seen these types of controls on the horizon. It's always been something that we were able to, you know, over there. It's it, 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 We could see it coming. We knew it was coming. But it was always something that, you know, we could people could kind of push it back and say, all right, we don't have to deal with this right now. We don't have to worry about it right now. Those days are over. This is here. We're in the war right now. The noose is tightened to the point where it's cutting. The burn marks are com- coming into people's necks mm-hmm. now. And and we have to get to the point where right now we have to have discussions with our family. Just the other day, I talked to my wife about this COVID-19 vaccine. And I told her, I said, if my employer decides to mandate this thing, I don't intend to take it. Now, that may cost us everything we have. I don't know. But I don't intend to take it. And I think in the coming days, the pressure is going to be overwhelming for people to to take the shot. And, and right now is the time we're going to have to decide whether or not we're going to be free, as as miserable as that might be. And it's not going to be an easy, easy road uh, because people like Bill Gates, the globalist billionaires, the people who want their depopulation agenda pushed forward, uh, Agenda 21. We've talked about it for years. It's here. And they're going to be trying their best to... They didn't go to all this trouble for us to not be compliant. And so we have to decide right now how compliant we're going to be. I think there's strength in numbers. If enough people push back, uh, if enough people get outraged, I don't see how they can force every single person on the face of the planet. But but what it really boils down to, I, I don't think... They're talking about the first round being two doses. Okay, already we have people with Bell's palsy. Already we have people with anaphylactic responses. Uh, we just had a nurse faint the other day after she took it. Uh, room, there's a rumor going around that she died. I don't believe that that's true. But uh, regardless, already we're seeing signs that people are having adverse reactions to this thing. Now... I have a feeling that this is just the tip of the iceberg because they're not going to tell us the vast majority of problems that are going to be experienced and are being experienced with these vaccines. But they're talking about this is going to be two rounds. You're supposed to have the first dose, then come back later for the second dose. And that's true of both Pfizer and the other one, Moderna. Um, Already now they're talking about mutations. They're talking about how and, and... I just seen an article, as a matter of fact, right here it is. WBRC, CDC seeks symptom checks on new COVID-19 vaccine app. Okay? As the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines roll out in the coming weeks, the CDC is asking recipients, recipients of the vaccines, to download an app to learn how the vaccine affects people after getting it. What does that tell us? That tells us that you are the guinea pigs. The tests that would normally take years to roll out are being done on the general population right now. I agree. And I I get these um, uh, twice a month shots and a lot of nurses I talk to are not taking the shot. They said, well, just won't work. We won't work here. We won't work here anymore. Um, I've seen uh, there's a couple of articles out there. One. There is a hospital where like two-thirds of the nurses are refusing. And uh, the public has gone in the Rasmussen poll, which I don't trust the polls, but I think this is instructive for how feelings have changed. 
53% were very likely to take the vaccine a month ago. Today, that number's down to 39%. Well, that means the propaganda campaign isn't sticking, and that's no. very encouraging. That's very encouraging. That's, that's why we're seeing, we were off air, folks, and we were talking about some uh, hidden bills in the stimulus package. And go ahead and talk about that for a second, because they're coming after the alternative media, because we are having an effect. Well, I don't, I haven't dealt into this, and like I told Dave just a moment ago, I have not, uh, I just found this. In fact, this is an article from, on the activist post called, from Derek Brown's Five Outrageous Items Snuck Into the COVID Stimulus Bill. Number three, now, of course, we know all the money that they're giving to foreign nations. Somebody would ask, you know, well, why or why would they want to give uh, Africa all this all this crazy amount of money when they want to only want to give the American people 600 bucks? Uh, first of all, uh, setting aside for a moment the fact that the government, it shouldn't be their role to be handing out largesse from the Treasury. Uh, you know, we could set that aside for a moment. We could talk about the paradigm that has been created by this COVID-19 stuff where they force people into unemployment and, and force them basically into being where they have to have the money from the government. Uh, but the fact that they're giving money to all these foreign countries like China, you know, or, or like like Africa, and I think the reason why they're doing that is so that they can compete with China. China's been building Africa's uh, infrastructure for a long time and using that as leverage to take over the world. You know, that they, they're gaining a toehold in Africa and at various other places. It's ironic that we're just now, you know, the establishment is just now learning that, oh, my goodness, China's a threat, you know. So that was that was one thing. All these All this money that's going to foreign nations is one of them. And then Another thing that I didn't mention to you, Dave, was number two was combating vaccine misinformation. Mm -hmm. Section 313 of the bill was the public awareness campaign on the importance of vaccinations. Calls on the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Convention to award grant and contracts for public and private entities for national evidence-based campaign to increase awareness and knowledge of the safety and effectiveness of vaccine. We, we, we know that uh, Facebook, Twitter... YouTube, they've been taking down videos left and right. Uh, they've taken down two of mine, one of them very recently. Uh, they're, they're squelching, you know, they're, they're not bringing the, uh, you know, the algorithms are suppressing things in a tremendous way when they don't take them down. So uh, so the information war is, is, is just off the charts. It's amazing the, the degree to which they're pulling out all the stops. But... Um, and in that vein, number three is making online streaming a felony. It, it, there's a controversial copyright and trademark measure that could create confusion and potentially criminalize online streaming. This is being done under the guise of copyright. And like I say, I need to dig into this a little bit more, but uh, it, it goes in line with, uh, you know, back at years ago, we were fighting something called SOPA, and there was a big blackout various websites were fighting that and we were pretty much i think united both on the left and right that this is a bad idea well all of this stuff is continuing and they're trying to use copyright law to silence uh, the american people and and you know people like you know shows like yours and mine where we've had to be very very careful in recent days with music 
Uh, we have had to be very careful in the clips that we play. And, you know, you can play clips and stuff from different things as long as you're commenting about it. You know, it's got to fall under fair use and that sort of thing. But uh, they're, they're, they're trying to make it to the point where anything you do online is a potential gotcha. You know, and I think that uh, Trump has got the wrong idea because he's trying to pull this uh, revoke Section 230. And uh, Section 230 is the, the, the section where it protects uh, interactive computer services like Facebook, Twitter, uh, anything where people can post comments uh, from having from being sued, li you know, liability in, in what participants online on those platforms are saying. And uh, Trump wants to wants to revoke that. He wants to repeal that. And what what really is it is a it is a very bad solution. <laughs> it's not a solution at all because what that would actually do is remove the protection for every one of us who have a website where people can comment and have a, a you know you could start your own. Dave Hodges can start his own social media site. Uh, there's something called Mastodon. It's very easy. There's a site that you can go and. Uh, pay like $10 a month to start your own Mastodon instance. They'll host it for you. They'll set it up for you. And it's like you have your own social media site. I mean, it's it's very easy to do. And, uh, and, and, and if you did that, you would be under Section 230 protection in case somebody said something libelous, slanderous. Uh, you would have the ability to enjoy that same protection. Are you there? Darren? Hello. Oh, boy. Okay. We had trouble connecting, and I'll say this here as we're trying to reconnect with Darren, but we had real hard time connecting with each other, and you just heard another bump on the line there. And uh, you heard him describe SOPA and all that's going on. They want to take away our voice. And right now, uh, you got Fox News pretending to be conservative again. Don't you believe it? You need to go to Govern America, The Common Sense Show, Steve Quayle, uh, Paul Preston, these are the places that you absolutely need to be. Hey everybody, we're back after some technical difficulties and I don't find it a coincidence that we are talking about what the plans are for the global elite through Congress and the deep state to curtail shows like Darren's and mine and Steve Quayle, Paul Preston, all our friends, colleagues. And uh, if you've been following me, you know this is getting to be par for the course. And this is just how it is. And I have a five by five signal right now. So there is no reason this should be happening. But we do have Darren, excuse me, back on the line with us. And uh, so, Darren, let's not give him any more credit. Let's just jump right back into where we were. Well, I don't know how much of what I said you heard, but the I, last I was part just I heard you had gotten into SOPA and how this is kind of a, in your mind, somewhat of a repeat of SOPA. Yeah, I think that. Uh, the bottom line is they're going to try every every tool they can to, to interfere with the small timer. They don't want competition. They're trying to get the genie back in the bottle now to the days where they had just a few networks and they could control the narrative. Obviously, uh, they were not able, you know, the Internet has unleashed uh, this flurry. I mean, this massive uh, paradigm now where nobody believes what the establishment says. I mean, I shouldn't say nobody because there's still way too many that do. Uh, they're, they're, there's, I, I think it's almost a party line type of deal. Most of the people on the left 
believe what the establishment media says unless it's Fox News. Most of the people on the right believe what Donald Trump says, and they believe what some of them, well, they up until recently, they believed what Fox News says. I think Fox News has kind of screwed the pooch in terms of the election night coverage because that pretty much revealed exactly to who they were, and they, they turned on Trump, and I think it's cost them dearly. Last I knew, MSNBC and CNN were beating Fox News in their ratings. Um, yeah, well, Fox News, I just read this yesterday, down 40%. Yeah, yeah. So apparently they didn't learn the lesson of Drudge because Matt Drudge <laughs> of the Drudge Report, uh, he did the same thing a lot earlier and he saw his traffic uh, go down exponentially. I don't ever go to the Drudge Report anymore. I don't either. I don't know how many other... Yeah, so I mean, there's plenty of alternatives out there now to aggregate news. And, and, and I don't know about you, Dave, but I don't like my news aggregated in one place anyway. Uh, I like a I wide spectrum of sources and publications from which to get information, including the enemy. I don't I don't ever tell anybody to not listen to the, you know, to not listen to MSNBC or those sources. You just have to listen and, and, and understand that you're being lied to. I think it's actually good if you know what you're, if, if you have a basic foundation and truth to listen to everybody so that you're not siloed with one side and, and, and completely blindsided about what the other side is thinking. Well, so, they certainly tell you, um, you, you know, I tell I tell my audience, you don't have to go to Fox. You don't have to go to CNN. I do that for you. And I said, you'll save yourself a lot of aggravation. I mean, I, I can't tell you, I must be giving myself a coronary because if I go on and look at this stuff for very long, I can't take it. I mean, literally, I get frustrated beyond belief because the massive lies they tell. I have a physical reaction. Yeah, to the, I, that's what I'm describing. Feel, yeah, me too tightening when I when I watch yeah, some uh, of the propaganda because yeah. I know it's I know it's taking an effect I, I I I know it's not affecting me to the degree to which I'm believing it I'm buying into it but I know that there are many out there that are and that is frightening and 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 at first I was kind of naive about it because I thought this is so ridiculous that nobody's going to believe it but all you can see is the people with the masks out in public everywhere. No, it's, it's, it's like something out of a movie and it's really frightening. Uh, everybody is following, you know, and, and that, that kind of brings us back to the COVID thing that really concerns me. And what I was saying earlier about the need to decide, because if we don't start pushing back on some of this stuff, I really believe that this is a conditioning process for the American people to get them used to the mark of the beast. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. I think everything that's going on right now with the vaccination, you know, they're going to try to mandate it. My understanding is there's a bill here in Michigan to mandate it. Uh, whether that, that goes anywhere is going to depend upon me and the other people in the state of Michigan how much we push back against this thing and i intend to push back against it but uh they're you know if they can't get it mandated through law or city ordinance or county health department they'll try to get it mandated as a condition of your employment and at some point you have to decide okay what's the what am i willing to to allow freedom to cost me what am I willing to allow, allow it co to cost me? Are we going to be free or are we not going to be free? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that in a time in a Republican administration 
you would think none of this could possibly happen because, well, you know, our guy's in office, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Can't possibly happen. We've lost more freedoms in the last year, probably the last, what, eight or nine months? Uh, this, this, this thing's been going on. And and now we're in a... I mean, did I think any other time in my lifetime, I, I don't think I could say that. I don't think I, I anybody could go against me on that. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and here's another thing that's disturbing. It's just not the rights they're taking away. It's the entire abrogation of our system, our, our, our checks and balances. Newsom mm-hmm. in California has been ruled against twice. They have said, you do not have the authority to do this because you don't have legislative powers. And the courts are clear. One court even went on to say they were representing the, our, our ruling on the restaurant owners of California lawsuit and they said you haven't even proven your case that what you're doing is working or makes sense and and they said and you don't have legislative power yet he still does it yeah same thing where's the contempt of court citation and the arrest same thing here in Michigan Uh, we have Governor Gretchen Whitmer who was unilaterally issuing these orders and the Supreme Court the Michigan Supreme Court said you can't use that law that you're using to issue these orders. So what does she do? He and he's and the court specifically said you need to work with the legislature because the legislature, you know, and they're 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 way too soft in my opinion. They're not as strong for freedom as they need to be, but at least they were they were trying to make it a little more sane. And she was just arbitrarily and unilaterally like a queen, like the monarch wannabe that she is. She just keeps issuing these orders. And uh when the court came down, you know, it's funny, the local media here said she scrambled to comply with the court order while still balancing public health. No, she scrambled to try to find another way to do this and to basically be in contempt of court. And the way she did that was instead of her issuing the orders directly, she she found another law to use and started getting the health department to do her dirty work. So she's issuing them by proxy and it keeps going this way. And Lee Chatfield, the uh, Speaker of the House here in Michigan, uh, was trying to, uh, he has blocked, they were trying to impeach Whitmer. Uh, He has blocked that. He's a Republican, Dave. And um, he said, we're not the party that, we're not the party that goes and impeaches people because we disagree with them. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. If they've broken the law, that's not even the issue. Well, that's just it. That's just it. I think he's thinking long term and uh, trying to avoid, you know, because she's, but, you know, we're going to have to deal with this woman for what, two more years? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, she was just elected right after this whole thing started, or right before this whole thing started. So, um, I mean, at some point, if somebody's in violation of their oath of office, they're violating the state and federal constitution, uh, you remove them. You know they're a criminal if they're if they're violating the law, you know. And but but everything seems to go under. Well, it's COVID. Well, you don't have the right to be a typhoid Mary. You don't have the right to uh, spread disease. And you know these these are extraordinary times. But here's the thing: the extraordinary times, as long as you have control freaks running every government at every level, you're never going to have. You're never going to get rid of COVID because COVID is a tool to be able to. Uh, control the population so right there in, in a number of months they have found the recipe 
to completely uh, do an end run around all of our constitutional rights. I mean, the right to peacefully assemble, you just go down the list. Well, unless you're a Black Lives Matter or Antifa. Yeah, that's throw Co- COVID doesn't vi- visit groups that do that. And, and, and you know, the, the, the thing that really bought, let me tell you about Arizona. <laughs> you're going to love this, Darren. Um, our governor is not as bad as your governor in some sense because he's running for the Senate in two years. So he walks a fine line. But I discovered this very early on, around the 1st of April. My April's Fool's Day joke was our governor's conflict of interest. He sits on the board of a company called TGen, and he's never resigned from that position. TGen is in partnership with Sonora Quest Laboratories, which is the largest testing unit for COVID in Arizona. That's bad wow. enough. It gets worse. TGen's also partnered with Bill Gates in the vaccines. And wow. we also know that these vaccines like Moderna and Pfizer have communist Chinese buy-in. So therefore, our governor technically is a traitor to this country because he has partnered with communist Chinese interests. Um, yeah. and, and he has a clear conflict of interest. Clear. You, it doesn't matter if he's even committed an overt act of conflict of interest. The fact that it exists means that he could be impeached. Mm-hmm. But if we had a real media and a real justice department, maybe they would be looking into some of this. <laughs> our media is yeah. a joke. And, as is Arizona. our justice. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a joke. Well, here, here, here's another story. I got a couple of them for, from Arizona. And, and, and I'm able to have Christmas uh, this weekend. So, uh, you know, count my blessings. But the bottom line is, is our, our government's probably is as corrupt as yours is in Michigan. But listen to this. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. Now, Maricopa County I think, is like the fourth largest county in the United States. It's the greater Phoenix area and beyond. And I live in the beyond because I'm in the rural area. So the question is Dominion voting machines, right? And all the chicanery that went on with it. Well, people like Sheriff Mack, who lives here in Arizona, he's a good friend of mine, and other representatives and state senators are all over this. They issued a subpoena from the Senate Judicial Committee to Maricopa County to surrender the voting machines for forensic audit. Now, if there's nothing wrong with the election, they should have willingly cooperated with that. Right. And they refused. They're refusing to honor this subpoena. Yeah. And I, I, and, and, and what that tells me, you know what this tells me? That just like we're seeing with Mitch McConnell, which we can get into, these people are on the take from either the vaccine company or the communist Chinese or both. Yeah, absolutely. And the courts have ruled years ago. In fact, you know, we've been talking about the computerized voting systems for years. Oh, yes. That's enough. And it's amazing to me that now it's finally come out to the forefront. Will anything be done about it? Uh, let's all say it together. No. No, you're right. I'm afraid you're right about that. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it's really sad. Uh, there was one dissenting a vote, and I was hoping, hoping, hoping it was the commissioner that I knew. When I came to Arizona as a young high school teacher, before I got into college teaching and college coaching, and as a young high school teacher and coach, and I, in my first two years at this high school, I had this brilliant student, brilliant. He ends up going to be a lawyer, uh, served on the city council, um, came back and visited me a couple times. I knew his parents. And he was the most brilliant student I ever had. 
ever in my teaching career. High school, university, community college, the whole whole gamut. Most brilliant student. And he cast a, we will not honor the subpoena vote. I'm going to actually give him a call after the first of the year and say, what are you thinking? Because this is a good person. I know him. I know him. I know what's in his heart. I know what's in his soul. And I can't believe that he thinks this is okay. And he's a lawyer, too, by the way. Um, so anyway, long story short with this, uh, we see a lot of these officials on the, like Kemp, uh, but a lot of them that we don't know about from what I'm told by my intelligence community contacts are on the payroll of the communist Chinese. And I'm sure you saw that list that came out. Um, but here's one more thing that's happening, too. In Kingman, Arizona, uh, they had a mayor run unopposed as a Republican, and and she started doing all these horrific lockdowns. And so the people there in Kingman contacted me for help. They wanted me to come up and consult with them. So I came up and I spoke to a full church, and Sheriff Mack went with me. And so we kind of did a one-two tag on this. And we did some investigation into this mayor, Mayor Jen Miles. Mayor Jen Miles, a Republican, used to be a member of the Progressive Alliance. Oh, wow. Yeah, and this is what we're finding, too, is a lot of Democrats are pretending to be Republicans, and then when they get in, they do what they want. And their county commissioners up there in Mojave County, same area, um, they have a project just like mine, Darren, just like International Highway, Canamex, I-11, North of Kingman in the Golden Valley, and communist Chinese firms proliferate in the construction of their solar projects and other things. And so we think their county commissioners are on the take. But here's the other thing. The governor has given them what's called CARE money. It's federal money. And he's distributed it to the county commissioners in Mojave County to keep the lockdown on. In fact, in open meeting, and we have this on tape, this is on tape, videotape, uh, the county attorney said, gee, we have to look in to see if we lifted any of the lockdowns, if we'd have to give the money back to the governor. Can wow. you believe that? This is, these are all true stories, Darren. I, I totally believe it. You know, the thing is, is that you got to wonder how, how far the influence, you know, in the last four years, the media has been talking about Russia, Russia, Russia. How far is the influence of the communist Chinese throughout huge. America? It's huge. Um, Mitch McConnell. I don't know what you know about him, but this has been brought into my face in the last few days. He's uh, He takes campaign contributions from um, uh, Dominion. This is why he probably congratulated Biden last Friday for stealing an election. Um, and he blocked two election integrity bills. And his wife, this is shocking, she's the head of Elaine. transportation. And, yep. and get this, her parents work for the Chinese government and they're in control of a lot of the ports in China. Yep. Yeah. How does Vicky that happen? Davis. How, how does that. she even get past the screenings? Well, because we have a compromised Congress. That's yeah. how. I mean, uh, yeah, nobody ever uh, looks into this stuff. And, and this is why, I mean, they keep talk, they keep everybody focused on Russia, Russia, Russia. You know, and, and, and the origins of the Russia thing, a lot of people don't realize that goes back to the 1990s. I don't know how much you may have talked about Bill Browder on your program, but Bill Browder was a predator, predator capitalist. There was a lot of looting going on back in the 1990s with uh, Boris Yeltsin and uh, his deputy, Natalie Chibayas. 
they facilitated basically the looting of that country after the Soviet Union collapsed. There was a corrupt voucher program that they put forward where they were selling off state assets, and including the oil companies and, and that sort of thing, but the Russian infrastructure. One of the people that was at the forefront of that, and there was a lot of them, I mean, there were the State Department was complicit in it. There were people like Larry Summers, who was, I think, at Harvard at the time. He, uh, he was involved in it. In fact, afterwards, years later, there was a, uh, a lawsuit. They ended, they ended up settling uh, for $1.5 million. I'm sure that was probably a fraction of what they, yeah. of what they made off, of, off the whole deal. But Bill Browder, for those people that don't know who he is, he's, he's a predator capitalist who, who was involved in the looting of Russia. He set up shell companies in Russia to avoid fa- paying taxes, and, and now he's wanted in Russia for tax fraud. They had actually, uh, he was a big fan of uh, Vladimir Putin until Putin cracked down on the tax schemes, the tax fraud schemes, and uh, ultimately he was he was banned from entering Russia. Uh, but he was the proponent of the of something called the Magnitsky Act. I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but that's that it, for one thing, it's bad law. It allows the the government and basically the Treasury Department uh, is very connected into this, but uh, they're able to put sanctions on basically basically all of Browder's enemies people that uh, that that Browder wants you know basically seizing their assets uh, making them you know banning travel to the United States and and, and he's working Browder is at, at getting um, this you know a version of the Magnitsky Act passed in all the countries that he possibly can. Now it's talking about the foreign governments, foreigners' assets. But if if you pass it in another country, it applies to people in the United States then, because it would be foreign assets and foreign people uh, from that country. Anyway, uh, he uh, Sergey Magnitsky was was Browder's accountant, and I, you know I don't know how much you want to get into this, but no, this is interesting. Yeah, go ahead, please. It's really a a pertinent thing. This is really what the real Russia thing is, the real Russian story. Um, Sergei Magnitsky was Browder's attorney. Uh, he, or at least Browder said he was an attorney. What he really was was Browder's accountant. Uh, Sergei Magnitsky was actually locked up in prison uh, in Russia for helping Browder with these, with these tax schemes. And, and like I say, they were setting up shell companies to avoid paying taxes. And, uh, Magnitsky ended up dying in prison, uh, basically from neglect. Now, Browder was urging him to, you know, file all these complaints. And you know what happens when you're in prison and you start making a bunch of noise against prison guards, prison conditions. You start creating a creating a nuisance of yourself. They, you might be subject to some retaliation and stuff. So, uh, you know, he, he wasn't probably treated very well there in prison because the, he, he, they, they, he kind of ticked them off, you know. At, at Browder's egging, egging him on. But anyway, um, ultimately he ended up dying. And a big investigation was launched in Russia about that, whether or not, because Browder goes on, but now he's, he's taken on, his, on himself to be some kind of human rights campaigner. He puts out this book called Red Notice, which has been, been pretty well debunked in another book that was written by uh, Alex Craner. Um and but but 
Browder admitted in twenty in a twenty fifteen sworn deposition uh, that he was that Magnitsky wasn't really an attorney. That he was actually he called him my attorney, but he never went to law school, didn't have a law license that he knew about. But you know, and the, the the interviewer asked him, but he was your attorney. He says, yeah. So so Magnitsky was a kind of lawyer that was n never had a law license and never had any formal legal training. And uh, but Broder doesn't call him his his accountant because that would sound that would tip everybody off as to why the real reason why the guy was in in jail. Why is this important? Because this thing is being used in a major way. I mean, this guy Bill Broder. Nobody hardly has ever heard of him, yet he makes appearances all the time on Fox News. He makes appearances on all the other networks, MSNBC, CNN, you name it. The guy's everywhere and multiple times, you know, in various places. Why does he have this kind of leverage? Why does he have this kind of power? And he's and he has the power. I mean, it was Senate resolution. Well, let me I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just. He, he, this guy is, is close associates with a guy named Mikhail Kordakovsky. Mikhail Kordakovsky is a Russian oligarch uh, who was the uh, wealthiest man in prison, or in, wealthiest man in Russia. He was sentenced to prison for, not, for nine years uh, for, uh, again, tax crimes. Uh, he gained control of the Siberian oil fields. He's another one of these people that was looting Russia back in the 90s. Uh, he uh, he gained control of Yukos Oil uh, through this corrupt voucher program. The voucher program, by the way, that uh, Boris Yeltsin and, and Natalie Chubayas put forward, what they were doing is they were, like I say, they were auctioning off all these assets. They went around to the Russian people. Okay, the Russian people after the Soviet Union had collapsed. Of course, you know, state-run government, everybody gets stuff from the government. When the government collapsed, and this should be a really a, a lesson to the American people now who are looking for stimulus checks left and right from the government, if the government collapsed, you won't be getting that anymore. You won't be, and so we don't want to go down that road because socialism <laughs> is not, to use one of their buzzwords, sustainable. Uh, but anyway, they, they ended up, uh, the, the Russian people were starving to death. They weren't doing well. Uh, and along comes these snake oil salesmen says, Hey, here, here's, here's a voucher. Now these people didn't, they didn't know what these things were worth. All they knew is they didn't have money for food and vodka. And so along comes people to buy them up for pennies on the ruble. And they took them over to these, these auctions where they didn't tell anybody except the people that they were wanting to participate. Where they're going to be, some of them, I guess, I'm from, from reading about it, uh, they were hold, held in the middle of the night. Um, they weren't announced well. And and they were sold off. And they were sold off to people like Browder and Mikhail Kordakovsky. And um, ultimately, Putin came to power. And he said, you know what? This is going to stop. I'm not going to, you know, you can keep what you got, but you're not getting any more. He cut off the spigot. And he went after these people for tax crimes. And so you have people like Mikhail Kordakovsky going, going to prison for nine years uh, in 2003 for fraud and tax crimes. Now, one thing that's interesting about this story, Dave, is that Kordakovsky has close ties to a fellow named Jacob Rothschild. 
I'm sorry for the reaction, but yeah, you just tied it together right there. He's so close to Jacob Rothschild, by the way, that he passed his shares of Yucca's oil to Rothschild after his arrest. Uh, there was an article in Life.ru, which was translated uh, into English and appears in, in StalkerZone.org. It said Rothschild Trust directly financed Kordakovsky's anti-Russian political projects. Um, and you got people like Lynn Forrester de Rothschild is on the staff of the McCain Institute, just to put a little side note in there. And that's one thing that people need to realize, uh, that this is a bipartisan situation. Uh, it's not one side or the other. It's both Republicans and Democrats that are involved in this. Uh, for the, on the Democrat side, Hillary Clinton had actually endorsed Kordakovsky. Uh, there's a there's a little blurb on on uh, the on the website. They support support each other. Uh, then you have Senate Resolution 322. Senate Resolution 322, which uh, anybody who's ever studied the skull and bones knows number 322 has some significance. Oh, yes, it does, yes. But uh, that Senate resolution was actually passed in support of Kordakoski, and it was introduced by none other than Joe Biden. <laughs> oh, don't you just and, love this? And co-sponsored by John McCain. And then Senator Barack Obama, oh. and it was a it was a a, a resolution which uh, basically bemoaned the arrest of. Um, oh, I got it here. A resolution expressing the sense of the Senate on the trial, sentencing, and imprisonment imprisonment of Mikhail Kordakovsky and Platon Lebedev, which is one of Kordakovsky's uh, associates. So, yeah, I mean. They did not want they, they there there was a lot of looting going on. They got angry at Putin for stopping the looting. They want the looting to continue, and that's what a lot of this is about. Um, you got this quote from the New York Times. This is uh, November fifth, two thousand three. It, it says, and I quote: "Then last summer, Mr. Kordakovsky again, two thousand three, he courted Exxon Mobil and Chevron Texaco." hoping to sell a large chunk of Yukos. That's the oil company. The deal, for as much as $20 billion, would have ensured the company's future. It would have also made Russia one of the West's primary sources of non-Arab oil. Washington took the bait. In September, George H.W. Bush came to Moscow to give a speech at the dinner held by the Carlyle Group. You remember the Carlyle Group? Oh, very well. <laughs> now, let's give you a war that you want. That's exactly right. Uh, one of the world's richest private equity funds. Rumors still swirl as to the real reason behind the dinner, but this much is known. Mr. Kordakovsky, who now sits in Moscow's prison at the time he was, also sits on a Carlisle advisory board with the Secretary of State under Mr. Bush, James A. Baker III. At the same time, Mr. Kordakovsky went on a charitable spree in Washington. Some recipients now prefer anonymity, but a partial list of his beneficiaries ranges from foundations to think tanks to the Library of Congress. In 2002, the National Book Festival, beloved project of Laura Bush, received a $100,000 donation from the foundation. Along the way, Mr. Kordakoski met Condoleezza Rice and Vice President Dick Cheney and even had his photograph taken with the President and First Lady. So that is the New York Times from November 5th, 2003. 
These are the people in the shadows, by the way. You always hear about the shadow government. You hear about uh, people working behind the scenes. These are the, these are the names you rarely ever hear. Now, Bill Browder's front and center. You see him all over the place, but his story is bogus. His Red Notice book is bogus. Uh, but you have a handful of people out there actually telling the truth about who these characters really are. Um, he also, Kordakoski also has ties to George Soros, by the way. He, uh, is, uh, he named his organization the Open Russia Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Open, he, is that the foundation that interfered in our election and got Donald Trump elected? I mean, come on. This is, the, you couldn't make this stuff up. See, this just goes to show the history that's involved. Well, Darren, we're almost out of time. Listen, we've got to do this um, after the first of the year. We didn't get through nearly anything we wanted to because there's so much to talk about. So I'm going to be back in touch with you again to come on. Um, But I want you to tell people in the time that's left how they can follow your good work. Uh, Our work is weekly. Every week we go to... You can go to governamerica.com. All the information is there. We do a Saturday morning show, 11 a.m. Eastern time, 8 a.m. Pacific. And uh, it's every week at 11 a.m. or 8 a.m. Pacific, uh, we're we're there for three hours. And it's a call-in show. You can call in. And uh, we, we cover, my co-host and I, we, uh, we're, we cover a lot of stuff. Um, been talking a lot about the uh, this insane push for martial law, which really absolutely terrifies me that a lot of conservatives are going for this now. Yes, I know. Uh, very unnecessary. Uh, yeah, very and, people and you know what? Would... We're going to have to hold that right there. I'm, I really apologize. It's your but, fault. But we're up against it. And thanks for persevering through the technical issues. Uh, you did a great job. But Darren, I'm going to be back in touch with you because we still need, there'll be time to talk about the voting, uh, the COVID, still be issues with us at that time. And I want you to have a Merry Christmas to you and your family and um i'll be in touch all right blessings to you dave and your audience thank you darren great to talk to you again take care yep bye-bye